Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. We are Orte del C. Desi, a podcast for brown women by brown women. This is your host, Geet, and with me are my co-hosts, Dr. Amna and Sammy Q. We will be talking about what it's like being a brown woman while living in America. Whether you grew up here, migrated here, or were born here, you'll learn through our discussions that we have much in common with each other. We hope that through the dialogue, you will find a judgment-free community of Desi queens willing to listen and support each other while bypassing social taboos of the what-will-people-think or lo-kya-kahingi mentality. Since this is our first episode, we will spend it answering the pressing question on everyone's mind. So without further ado, let's go ahead with our first introduction. Sammy, go ahead. Hello, Orte. My name is Sammy. I have called Amrika home for the last almost 35 years of my life. Um, I moved to the East Coast with my family at the age of, you know, five, six years old. And um, I'm currently living in the Midwest with my best friend and partner. Uh, we also have an old man cat who is the dadaji of the house. Um, by day, I work as a marketer in nonprofit marketing right now. Um, and by night, I'm cooking up a storm of Pakistani and Indian food, which was what I think had grounded me in our Desi culture a lot. Um, Growing up as a brown South Asian Pakistani Muslim immigrant girl in the US has definitely changed how I perceive myself and others around me. Um, and it's funny because my dad actually started calling me Sammy when we moved to the US, sort of a nod to like us coming to America. Welcome, um, have a Gora name now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he also called me and he also called me Munna because I was the youngest <laughs> in the family. And he Too bad you weren't treated like a Munna. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, and although my consciousness, you know, started in the US, part of me feels like it's still rooted in Pakistan and India. Um, and over my lifetime, I think I've realized that I've been influenced by so many cultures around me. Growing up in a diverse neighborhood um, out on the East Coast and really kind of always being around diversity. And I've, I think over time, realized that I don't have to feel stuck between all these different cultures around me. Um, but it's easy to feel that because you hear things like tum to gori ho, tum ye kya kar rahi ho, tum to ladki ho, tumhe kya pata desi ya islam kya ke baare mein. And so like you hear these things over and over and it sort of like stinks into your psyche. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think over time I've had to reframe that in my mind to go, you know, I can pick and choose the values that matter to me. Not really care about what other people think of me and my multicultural identity. But really I'm... I'm a Desi older millennial audit um, and I'm really proud to be, I always identify myself as a woman first before anything else. Um, and really, I think being a woman to me has been probably the most important identity in my life. And I'm really glad that we're here today talking about Arte and being being the lovely Arte that we are as well. The Zalil Arte. Sometimes. So yeah, I'm going to actually turn it over to Dr. Amna. Amna. Hello, Arte. My name is um, Amna Butter. Um, I am a doctor and a mom and human rights activist and a poet. Um, I think that the, being a mom is 
really my identity that takes precedence over everything, but also human rights activist. Um, and then doctor, I'm a doctor. I'm very happy about being a doctor and I'm a poet. That's my creative side. I grew up in a, a Pakistani family. I um, actually was born and raised in Lahore, Pakistan. Had never left my house, never left my city, lived in a homogenous society um, until the age 24 when I came to uh, to US, the city of Milwaukee. We actually did not even know uh, about Milwaukee until I got engaged and um, we had to look it up in encyclopedia. Um, that's my family that we are all about books and we had grew up with encyclopedias and I grew up in a very eclectic household where my um, I had older brothers and um, sister and um, there was a 10 year gap and I was a surprise. So um, I was raised by a mom who was very religious, but around me, my brothers and my father, they were more progressive and we were a family of the the progressive left. Uh, I grew up around labor movement and social justice. And I did not even know that I thought growing up, I thought everybody's household had works of Lenin and Mao Zedong. And then realized <laughs> that that's not the norm. Yeah, so no. Grew up, grew up in a very, no, not at all. <laughs> grew up in a very um, eclectic household and um, from very early on I had love of books and there were hundreds and if not thousands of books around and at age maybe around fourth grade I think I was proficient in um, uh, Urdu and English at adult um, level and um, I just was bored with kids books so I started reading adult level books and mystery and in I am a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was ridiculed about in school. That I was <laughs> I always read and but I was also um I grew up with a boy cousin, so I uh, I don't know if it's politically correct term or not, but I was a tomboy. I wanted for Eid, I wanted um uh, Tear come on, bow and arrow or gun, and I would be slapped by mother, my mother and my cousins and I, my boy cousins and I, we used to go and break the dolls of my sister and my girl cousins. And so I really grew up with a very diverse background. And then I, at age 24, I came to this country in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, started my journey for my um, medical postgraduate education and um, better part of my life has really been spent and being in being an academic doctor. I definitely identify as a woman first and um, everything else sort of came afterwards is like South Asian and um, uh, other things came afterwards. Um, I came to this country growing up in one place, I didn't even think about um, that I have to develop my own community. 
And it's only when I came here, um, I realized in the beginning, it was like, I don't belong to quote my community. Um, and in a way, my community rejected me for my out of the box thinking for my choices. And then um, I rejected my community until I came to a point where I realized that my identity is not only a woman, but a, a South Asian woman, a brown woman. So over the course of my life, I have developed a hybrid community. And that's why this Orate podcast is important to me because it's really expansion of community. And it's all about dialogue and listening and contributing to this dialogue of South Asian women called Orte. So that brings us to me, guys. I am Geet, also known as Geetu, Geeta, Geeti, depending on who I'm speaking to, also known as Dr. Geet. Um, I am a South Asian Indian woman of Sindhi descent. I'm a daughter, a dog mom, a global citizen, a peacemonger, and a feminist. After all, how can you be brown and not be a feminist? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I live in the Northeast and have called NYC home all my life. To me, there is a need for brown women's voices. Through Audite, we will be able to create a new normal in which it is okay to speak our truths a platform through which others can share their stories too in a judgment-free zone. To me, Aurate is the answer to the void I felt as an adolescent girl and a young woman making my way through the layers of me. Aurate is the phenomenal woman who isn't afraid to speak her truth, and Aurate is the ferocious mama bear who stands up for her daughters. Um, through this, I hope that we're able to reach out to women like myself uh, growing up, I, I had a lot of, unlike Amna, um, I, I migrated here. Well, I didn't even migrate here. My parents migrated here back in the 70s, which makes me inevitably a, a, a huge fan of 80s rock music. Um, and uh, fan of 80s rock music. I love 80s rock music. Yeah. Um, so, and growing up in the 80s here, it was very different um, environment than it is today where, um, we were still very few in number. Brown people were very, very few, small communities. Like Amna was saying, touching back on what she was saying, the communities were highly judgmental, as if we think that they're judgmental now, they were really bad back then. <laughs> so either you were not brown enough or too brown or just, you know, not too white American. enough. Yeah. Too American. You know, there was so much going back to Sammy's now, you know, overlap <laughs> is there, which is why we're all together. Um, it was just a, a big identity crisis for me growing up, but I identified first as a girl. That was the first thing that was, you know, drilled into my head almost that I am a girl. And my womanness is something that I had to embrace. I mean, initially as a brown girl, I rejected it. And I wished I would, I was a boy, not because I wanted to be a boy, but because I just, I envied the freedom that the boys had. I was a free totally. spirit. I was as like FOMO all the time. <laughs> Always FOMO. And I, I envied their, their freedom. I envied their, um, autonomy, um, things that I just 
didn't feel like I had. I, I felt like my life was way out of my control. Um, even simple, it, it was so simple that it was like the things that I wore, you know, <laughs> like it had to be socially yeah. correct. Um, a boy could put on a t-shirt and jeans and walk out the door and I had to wear the salvar kameez and the churia and the bindi and, you know, it was just yeah. ridiculous. So um, being a woman was how I identified first. And then the second one probably um, forced again by environment. Uh, initially as a child I didn't recognize my my racial ethnicity at all you know I to me we were just children um and then I remember in school the first time that I was told well you're not American and I I was just like well, what the hell do you mean <laughs> like yeah I am just as American <laughs> as you are and um and then it was like no but you're but like where are you from and I was like here you know like it, it never I've been here since all I can remember so mm. But that identity crisis became um, became a big, you know, a big part of me. And what that ended up doing as an American, what that ended up doing for me was embrace my brownness to the point where even my brown friends who were American would turn around and call me, you're such a fob. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I'm such a fob. <laughs> so now, but my Indian friends are being called a fob, but my American friends are being called an Indian. So it was just ridiculous. But confusion somewhere along the way, the time, right? always confusion. <sighs> and that's why I guess it hybrid. came around to, yes, a hybrid community. And I created, and thank God for growing up because I was able to just say, you know what, to hell with this. I get to define, just like you, yeah. Sammy, just like yeah. you, Amna. We yeah. get to define what the hell we're going to be. So... <laughs> After all of that nonsense, um, I am now, you know, I, I embrace. And then, you know, there was a flip side. As an adult, I had the other experience where I had embraced my Indian identity my whole life. And then I, I went to Pakistan to do um, medical relief work. And while I was there for three years, I realized that, you know what, I'm not that desi. I am actually really American. So I guess that's where my entire identity comes from, which makes me say I'm a South Asian Indian woman of Sindhi descent but I'm an American fundamentally. Um, and that, that even that Americanness skews your views very differently in an entirely different direction than being just South Asian. So, and um, I think that, you know, people like I have never really thought of race. I mean, I, I came to this country and I expected, expected discrimination because I was, different. I came from a third world country and there was a learning curve. So I expected that. And it's really race came into my consciousness much later. Yeah. A lot of immigrants like me who come here as young adults, we sort of expect that because we're different and we think it's uh, onus is on us to yeah. try to be like others. So it's really much later that it, I thought, you know, my color is there and I, I need to be proud of that. And also when I became a mom. I think, you know, that's, that's your, very different. Reality. Like for me growing up, whenever I would come home and I would tell a story about like, oh, I went through this kind of discrimination. My parents would always look at my father and be, oh, big, big deal. Like pull up your big boy pants and move on in life. Yeah. And kya hai? like, to kya hua? But for me, it was like, not my such, right? I'm not, I'm not brown. I'm not from India. What do you mean? I'm an American. So it was like that otherness. And it's so different because now I understand when you're saying it, okay, you expected it. I think he expected it. He's from that thinking where he was like, well, I'm different. I'm coming here in my twenties. 
or close to 30 and I clearly speak differently. I look different. I, I, whatever. And so, but for me, it was not like that. And now I, I think from what you're saying, I actually recognize the fact that why there was that disconnect, which, yeah. you know, and that's funny because this is the first time that I'm recognizing it. So, <laughs> and I think that's a very similar experience that Gate, you and I share of just being like raised here in the U.S. from such a young age that like you don't think you're any different until you like go to school and then everyone goes like, where did you come from? Yeah, where are you from? I had to do a presentation on Pakistan because they had no idea. They like couldn't even point it out on the map. And they kept asking me like really racist things like, do you worship cows? And I'm like, dude, like, and, dude, I, would come home, <laughs> and I would come home and ask my parents, like, why are they saying these things? But for them, Amna, you're absolutely right. They came in with that thinking of like, well, that's just expected in this culture that you're going to face that racism. Whereas I was going, no, like I'm part of this community in the U.S. I'm part of the school. Like I'm part of America. Why am I being treated differently? And also the ridiculousness of it. You know, I came from a very big city, Lahore, in a small town. You know, it's relatively small compared to Lahore, Milwaukee. And I went to DMV in mid nineties to for my name change on my car. And the guy said to me, did I grow up with cars? <laughs> I started driving at age 14. <laughs> and I, at first it took me a few seconds to realize what he was asking. And then I said, no, we actually went around on elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. How many times have we had those experiences? Eh? <laughs> so anyway, so that's I... why this uh, podcast is important, because it's about women from different walks of life, women from different experiences, generations, yet we, the three yeah. of different generations. And yet the three of us have uh, one thing, one theme in common. We are independent minded south asian women yeah and i feel like there's a part of all three of us that we've been sort of able to reclaim our identity through that right through just that reflection process over time um and i think what we're touching on is so we've talked about a lot of the challenges that we've faced as south asian women what is something that like you know you like about being south asian women uh what i like uh, i think more about being a woman or a South Asian woman, what I like about is my culture, my identity, um, because, you know, I was, I said I had rejected my community, I was married to a white guy, and I sort of pretended I'm white. But I, my identity is more of culture than race. My ethnicity, I like the food, I like the culture, I like the femininity, I like the dressing, I like the colors. And to me, that's that's what I love about being a South Asian woman is that I can, I'm beautiful, I can wear any color that I want and I look good in it, my <laughs> skin. I'm proud of my skin color. Yeah. For sure. Even though we I were think, told not to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I love I love being um I'm gonna be I'm at the risk of sounding so cheesy right now, but I love Bollywood. Mm -hmm. Um we I love, love Bollywood. I Me love too. 
Bollywood music. I love Lollywood. I love Lollywood music. It has nothing to do with a South Asian woman, but I'm just saying like that was, that was the, those are, those are little parts of my culture and community that I do love. I love the food. I think we're so rich in, um, heritage and culture it's such an old culture and there's yeah. so much uniting us through our culture i mean indian Pakistan. hey i i also want to mention you know just just as another point that brings us together we're indians and pakistanis which is you know not not a normal thing i mean yeah. I, it is normal but i'm saying like we we have the, the other thing that brings binds us three of us together is that we're actually peacemongers at heart that believe that <laughs> india and pakistan yeah, and unity. And India and Pakistan are, are, are originally one country. And as much as anybody would like to say something else and something different, that's rubbish. Um, we share culture, we share food, we share language, we share so many ingredients. So much. Across. I so mean, much. I think I mentioned earlier, food our customs, that. our rituals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everything is the same. music. Come on. The music. Oh, the, music. Um, the music is fabulous. Yes. Being like a South Asian woman, I, I just I love the mystery of these extra layers I have, right? Like I'm not just a brown woman. Like I have all this ancestry behind me and I've been able to like explore that a little bit over time. And it, that's that's what's exciting for me that I keep peeling back these layers, you know, like the fact that we're all onions and we peel back these layers and we go, oh my God, there's more to me than I, I, per, I myself perceived, right? Or that other people were perceiving. Thousands uh, of those... years of history. You know, my yeah. daughter wrote a paper for her um, freshman year about who she is. And I, I cried when I read that paper because she talked about her mom. She talked about how at one point she was really more ashamed of her brownness and her Desi culture. But her mom used to cook while Desi music was on. And that made her feel like part of her culture and she yeah. is who she is today because of that so yes my daughter also identifies as a brown woman so and that I'm, probably gives you validation right like yes. just even being in your own skin <laughs> and being the, the person that you are yeah um okay last question name an inspirational woman in your life i'm gonna start um i find all those women that i came across while working in pakistan inspirational every single woman that I came across in a village um, that's working hard against the norm going against societal norms over there it's very different obviously when you're in a village it's not the things that we talk about mm -hmm. it's more about financial security financial independence it's more about um, autonomy it's more about just being able to support your family it's more about a woman's right for education so they're very different fights that they're fighting but I find that any woman that's fighting against the norm is inspirational. Yeah, so it's not one woman. Sure. I mean, I can't even say like Mother Teresa or whoever because so we're inspirational to you. I yeah. guess. Yeah, yes, Sammy is inspirational. <laughs> Dr. Amna already knows how much I respect and, and find her inspiring. Sabine, super Great. inspirational. So. so for me, um, my grandmother, my daddy, and um, my, my puppy um and my mother too um but you know i had a lot of issues with my mother but but definitely my grandmother she was uh, a young woman who became a widow at age five eight at a young age 
my dad was the oldest child who was five years old and my grandmother had to marry her brother-in-law but my grandmother was a very strong woman and she is the reason why we are who we are because she stood by her son and she supported him and at one point they actually ran from the village because my dad's grandfather died who was supportive of my dad and her his uncle and stepfather said no more education and my grandma and my dad ran away literally ran from the village to her parents my dad went to school and college after that so my grandmother definitely and my my um, dad's sister is my inspiration sammy you nice. Um, you know, this question, I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think one person that really came to mind was actually a professor of mine in college. And I had no idea there was a class called South Asian feminism. And I was like, why didn't I see this before? And so obviously I signed up, but I think that professor really, she helped me understand all the things that I was feeling and experiencing through my own life. I had language for it. I could call it, I could name things that were happening. And I could say finally, like, accept the fact that I was a feminist because I was just fighting for my own rights and fighting for other women's rights yeah. through just, you know, family and friends. Yeah. Um, and I just, I owe that teacher, that professor a lot um, for just helping me understand that and helping me give that language. And, I, and I'm really proud that I'm still friends with her today. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think women's empowerment, I mean, of course, I do think of women's empowerment as a big idea in across the world, a global idea. But that's not, I feel like that's not what really matters. And I think that's true about almost everything in my life, the way that I tr try to live my life, is to actually practice that on everyday, day-to-day -day situations. And provide that empowerment, if you will, to the people that I speak to on a regular. I always try really hard. And so the feminism, I think feminism is, 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 is a living, breathing thing. It's not just, sure. um, it's not just a, a, an ideal or, yeah. or a topic to discuss, you know? And it's changing I, over know... time, right? Like <laughs> feminism like looks different because of time as well, right? We were fighting for something different a hundred years ago. We're fighting for something a little different now, but we are still fighting. That's we're the, still like, fighting. common And thing. also look at, I look at my grandmother, my daddy, didn't even know what feminism was, but right. she, she wanted to survive. She wanted her family to survive. My puppy, my dad's sister, who my dad married at age 13 to his cousin to survive in the family. And she never thought of herself as feminist, but she was a feminist. She was an empowered woman, despite mm -hmm. all the circumstances against her. So these are women who are my I think I agree with you. I think yeah. even my grandmother was a was a feminist and an yeah. inspired woman because yeah. she went against the norm. Um in her own ways, even my mother has, you know, God even bless her. Even my mom. My mom yeah. is still struggling to create her own identity against the norm. And um, you know, I think all of I think that's a common fight in for brown women that we're yeah. all trying to create our own identities in this in this world, wherever and we are. My mom who supported me when I wanted to marry a white guy. My mom was the only person in my family who stood by me. And she said, you 
I have suffered enough. This is a man who loves you and he will make you happy. I am there for you. So all these women who didn't even call themselves feminists were feminists. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we're living at a time that we have language for this, that we can identify these things um, and we can talk about them. And I'm, you know, and that's, I think, that opportunity that we have, even with this podcast, even for people listening of just, you know, South Asian women out there listening of reclaiming our bodies, our minds and our hearts really to be the women that we want to be rather than the women that we're told to be. And to to give hope to people. Yeah. And say, you know, just be true to yourself. Right. And feel free to reach out, you know, yeah. I mean, if for whatever reason, I, 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 whoever's listening, if there's somebody out there that feels alone, please don't. We're, um, here. We're, he- we're here. Reach out to us. I'm sure between whoever, at least three of us, one of us has been through what you're going through. So reach out to us, talk to us. Um, you know, it's a judgment-free zone. It is. Truly. For sure. Um, Ladies, this has been great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Such a wonderful conversation. Till we meet again. And also, you can check us out on uh, auraten.com. That's A-U-R-A-T-E-N.com. And you can follow us on... uh, You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And our handle is at thinauraten. That's at threeauraten. This has been great. Thank you so much, thinauraten. Been fun. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. And that brings us to the end of episode one. Thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please share with friends and family. Feel free to tag us on Instagram at 3A-U-R-A-T-E-N or visit our website at www.auraten.com where you can leave us a text or voice note and show us some love. Thank you and until next time.